Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast. Well, Jimmy, this is going to be uh, a little bit of a special episode because we have a, a special guest who's going to join us. Um, do you want to introduce? Well, actually, let me introduce him because I like talking and hearing the sound of my voice. But uh, look, Husky fans, especially those on Twitter, they were captivated by this gentleman's video describing his experience. He was very upset about the uh, about the football games, very perturbed about Michigan State, but he had glowing remarks about Husky Stadium, Husky fans. In the city of Seattle, I guess he avoided Third Avenue, uh, but but with us is uh, Nick Bradley from the Detroiter. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm doing great. I'm better now. It's Wednesday, so I've had a little bit of time to sleep on it and I guess regain the dopamine that existed in my brain. I don't know, tough game. It is funny, though, like you said, that video, I thought I was going to get roasted because all weekend leading up to the game, I was talking about how MSU had it in the bag. I felt great. But Washington people have been surprisingly nice to me. So it's been good. As good as I could have asked after how that came well, up. The, the downtown Seattle Association should definitely get in touch with you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could use that plug. I, I feel yeah. like well, Jim, I, I, Nick. I feel it. like you. I feel like you successfully avoided Third Avenue in that area. You kind of stuck to because you you talked about little towns and yeah, Seattle's kind of known known as a city of neighborhoods. And Jimmy, it sounded like he spent he he was in like the right neighborhoods and multiple neighborhoods that kind of have fewer problems. So certainly, well, and yeah, I saw a couple people saying that because. Again, the weirdest thing to me, like I would tweet something, Seattle's great, how do I move here, whatever. And somebody would respond like, oh, it used to be great, now it stinks. And I'd just be sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about. But people would come back, yeah, like 3rd Avenue, they're like, I guess you didn't see that. But I, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know exactly where that is. But I felt like my friends and I, we did quite a few things, went quite a few different places. I when I left, I was like, I don't know wherever these places are. I don't really know how I didn't see them because it felt like we were all over the city over the course of the weekend. So what? What Nate? Could you break it down? Like what neighborhood? Like when did you get into town, and what neighborhoods were you in? Yeah, so we got there like at noon Thursday, um, and then the drive from the airport. It I don't know you. It feels like you go through the entire thing on the drive. And then hung out, whatever that area is, like the Pikes Place area. Spent a bunch of time down there that first day. Um, And then we were staying in Queen Anne. We hung out in Fremont a little bit. We went out to Capitol Hill Saturday night, which was one of the places that people were like, oh, it sucks. It it was the, uh, during COVID, like the zone that the city just gave away to people, right? Yeah, the (laughs) the jazz. Yeah, that area was cool. I didn't. Like, there was nothing there where I was like, this is, uh, now I get it. I Sixth Avenue, I think, is, like, Pacific Place, like the shopping area. Hung out there a little bit. I don't know. We did we did a bunch of stuff. Ballard was the one place I didn't go that people told me about. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, like, third, I don't know where Third Avenue is. Well, you, you escaped it. So, yeah, yeah the, the, the best thing about it is you get the positive experience. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of fans were appreciative of you, you know, speaking out 
uh, about that because he certainly could have been bitter after that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, thank God I did have a good experience. Like, my friends and I all just depressed at the airport on Sunday. And it was kind of like, well, you know, at least Thursday through Saturday at 4.30 were a great time. So it wasn't all for naught. Wait, I hope I hope one well, of you guys uh, did you did you guys see the picture of that guy at the airport who was wearing a Michigan I don't know if it was real but he was wearing a Michigan State shirt and he <laughs> fell asleep on the floor and he had his hand in his pants so I don't know that could have been yeah. from like twelve years ago or you know it could have been from last year or so I don't know but I just thought it was a funny photo that was circulating but I assume Nick that wasn't that, that wasn't one of your friends. No, no, no relation there. I had a few people ask me if that was me. Fortunate, happy to respond. That was not. That was not me. To clarify the record. Uh, so, uh, we'll talk about a little about about the stadium experience. I don't know how much uh, travel you've done with you know following Michigan State at at opposing stadiums, but uh, did you feel like it was a good game day experience overall? Yeah, I had a great time. I haven't. I haven't been a ton of places. So I grew up in Michigan. I've been to Spartan Stadium and I've been to the big house. Um, and then I've been to Ford Field for the Lions play. I haven't been to a ton of other football stadiums. And I only graduated in 2019. And then there was the COVID year where nobody was going to games. Mm. So like last year was really the first year where I had any money to travel if I wanted to. <laughs> um yeah, and then this year, and then we we were. I was supposed to go to Miami last year, and I got sick the weekend of the game, which was devastating. Oh. So this is like the first time I've traveled for the big out of conference game, and I'd always heard good things. Like watching Washington games on TV, you see that view where I think it's Elliott Bay with a body of water that's right next to the stadium. You see that, and it all obviously looks incredible. Being a Michigander, we're big water people, so. A lot of appreciation for that. And then getting there, I was pretty surprised. I don't know I don't know what the capacity of the stadium is. And it wasn't totally packed, but I swear to God, every single second down, every single third down, like anytime it was a re- remotely important play, the entire thing was shaking. My seat was shaking, the my feet were shaking. I was looking around, you know, I'm like, I, is this supposed to be is this supposed to be happening right now? Like every single play. So I was pretty impressed. Um, and then the campus was cool too. It's, I feel like it's tough to have a bad campus in that area in the Pacific Northwest. And you guys have the Hills, like it's just set up for the coolest place ever. Reminded me of East Lansing a little bit with like all of the foliage around. Um, I had a good time. And then we were fortunate enough to paddle for parking garage. There were a bunch of MSU people, that all met up there. So that also added to the experience. Like we're all 2000 miles away from where we went to school. And it's just a bunch of strangers that are hanging out in this parking lot for a college football game. So the game day experience was awesome. I enjoyed the campus stadium, Washington fans that I met walking to the game and in line were cool. Like nothing bad to say, honestly, outside of the game itself. Well, I mean, shout out to you and your brethren because uh, I I don't know about you, yeah. Jimmy, or what I know you. Unfortunately, you missed the game, Jimmy. But I don't know what you heard or saw from the photos. But it looked to me like it was really, really well attended. I think uh, Nick, you had a video from uh, the Pradelford parking lot, and it just looked like it was fucking jam packed with green. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I you uh, like couldn't see the end of it. I I we showed up, so we were. I don't know. 
maybe 200, 300 yards away, and we're just following my phone GPS, like, how the hell do we get here? And it got to a point where you could just hear, you just heard people getting after it. And it was like, let's just, let's just follow the noise. Let's just go that way. And then you walk down this trail and just a sea of green. It was like a, it's kind of like a mind blowing experience just seeing that many people this far away. So you're, so you're early in your career of go, you know, of attending games and going to road games. So I, I think uh-huh. you probably have an inkling of how cool it is to go to road games. Cause you're, you're there with the real fans. I mean, the biggest right. fans, people who are like-minded. I mean, they're the ones who travel to road games. And so, yeah, I mean, that's really cool when you go to an away game like that. Yeah, it was unreal. And, and, I, and the, go ahead, Jimmy. I was just gonna, I was gonna uh, point out, you know, chess. We we rank all time games and like where they sit when you crowd, and and, and chess gave it a, an eight. So, um, it, you got to experience, I think, a pretty high level crowd in respect to what you expect at Husky Stadium, especially, you know, and that was a big win for Washington because they hadn't won a non conference game since uh, uh, what was it? A ranked opponent from 2001. Was that actually actually was Michigan the last yeah. one? Actually, wow. 2001. That's right. It was Michigan. Yeah, 2001 Michigan wow. game. So, I don't know that. Well, well I yeah. would. Well, yeah. Just just sorry to cut you off, uh, Jimmy. But yeah, Nick, I, I we were ranking the games, and I think the actually I had that Michigan game number five on my list. There were there are four games in the last 30 years where I mean they're really historic and unreal, and. Michigan was number five on that list. And so this, I'd say the crowd, like the crowd was really close to that. Like it wasn't equal, but it was, I mean, if that Michigan game was like a nine, then maybe this, the crowd would be like an 8.5. Uh, so it was definitely, mm-hmm. and, and we've been, you know, the cities are changing. Uh, you, your cities are less provincial. And so we've been kind of struggling with fan support. It's kind of dwindled over the years, even though we had a really good run with Peterson. And so this was an opportunity to like really get it back. And so me and Jimmy were like, we were hoping and we were looking at the ticket sales and we were like, yeah, it's going to be a good crowd, but we don't know how good. And so it was, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise, but anyway, I'll, I'll let you talk, Nick. I'm glad to hear that it was enjoyable all around. Yeah. It felt like you guys had some passion. Like there was ex- excitement for what's to come. Cause I know DeBoer, this is his first year. Penix, his first year with you guys. And I knew that guy was going to roast us too. Cause he would do the same stuff at Indiana. So it felt like there was some genuine excitement, kind of like when Mel came to MSU and uh, Spartan fans, like people ready to see what, you know, what this thing's gonna be all about. It's kind of surprising to hear you say that though, that supports that been down. Cause yeah, like those Chris Peterson years with, um, Jake Browning, you guys were always up there in big games. It felt like Washington was a pretty big-time program. And then being right outside a major city like Seattle where, you know, I would imagine there's a pretty high population of Washington alumni or fans living in that area, that's kind of surprising that, there, you know, there would be the chance of, like, of low fan support. I mean, it's it's been – well, I mean, we've, you know, we've... Not to rub it in, but I – but. I was just going to say not to rub it in, but I think that Michigan State win is definitely going to uh, it's going to revamp some enthusiasm for for Washington. No, it it, it definitely. It, I would say it. I would yeah, it helped us a lot. I mean, I'm happy that it, the game was really well attended. I mean that you know, Mich- and Michigan six their Michigan your success last year was huge, and you know ha- having a great turnout, I think all those things really helped us. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, it's kind of like parallel. It reminded me of not not maybe not as much last year, but like the year before, which sucked that it was COVID. But um, Mel Tucker's first year, where they beat Michigan as 24, 24 point underdogs, and then they beat seventh ranked Northwestern. Two games where it was like, all right, like it rallied the troops kind of and got everybody to buy back in a little bit more. So it was cool. As messed up as it is, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but <laughs> as messed up as it is, leaving that game, I'm, I walked away, obviously hurt that we lost, but I was kind of like, I, I kind of like Washington now. Like I, this is a, <laughs> a pretty sweet team. I love the colors. I love the jerseys. The stadium's awesome. Michael Penix is pretty sweet. Like, I kind of walked away going, I hope Washington, like, wins a lot of games this year. Well, and we have, you know, we we have had some historic beatdowns against Michigan, so I'm sure sure you would have – go watch the 1992 Rose Bowl if you want to see one of the greatest college football teams of all time and the way we destroyed Michigan in that game. I like the sound of that. But so, uh, uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the game? I mean, I guess, do you think, uh, like, Mel Tucker and just the stubbornness running the ball? Because you guys did have some success through the air. And, I mean, if your coaches would have scouted, I mean, we're, we played Portland State last week, and there were three or four plays where they had receivers, like, running down the field that were open, and, you know, the quarterback just missed the throw. And so... I was watching clips of Michigan. I mean, both of us, we predicted that Michigan State would win the game. Like, we were really worried about our tackling and just our secondary. And it just seemed that you guys did not go to the pass soon enough, that even in the second half you were way behind and you were still running the ball or trying yeah. to force it. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was tough. It's so hard going into those. Games. Like, we hadn't played anybody real, and you guys hadn't either. It's so hard being able to gauge, like, all right, we ran the ball down Akron's throat without having to try. Great. But then you play a real team, like Washington, all of a sudden you can't just get seven yards every time you run it. So it's so hard to gauge, like, how that's going to translate. And for us, not only the first two games this year, but last year, obviously we had Kenneth Walker, who was, like, a next-level player. But everything we did offensively was from running the ball. Like the two games that, or however many we lost to, and then the other games that we struggled in, it was because Kenneth Walker never got going. Like we had, we beat Indiana like 17 to 9 or something. Never ran, <coughs> excuse me, never ran the ball. Ohio State never ran the ball. So that's like integral to being able to score points for us. And yeah, like you said, I mean, at some point, it you, you can't even get a yard. Like it, it honestly felt like, we couldn't get a yard if our lives depended on it. And then by the time they start to cut Peyton Thorn loose and airing it out, I don't know. It's tough. Like there were MSU fans that were doing the whole, well, at least Peyton Thorn looked awesome, like singing his praises after the game. And, you know, I don't think he played bad and certainly wasn't the reason we lost. But it was like by the time we started airing it out and he was packing the stats, you guys were up like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Ah, I'm sure – your coaches are going, if they want to throw it for eight yards, okay, just don't get beat deep, where it's like, all right, you know, they scored some points at the end, but we didn't do anything the entire first half. When our defense needed us to extend the possession, one time we weren't making those throws or completing those passes. So 
I don't know. It was we just got dominated, honestly. Like our offensive line just got dominated the entire time. I didn't know. I didn't know Washington's defense was like that. But we we, we, we didn't we didn't know that either. I mean, we thought it could be good coming into the <laughs> year, and then just based on the film of the first two games. Because after the second game, I was asking one of our texted one of our buddies, and I said, "Like, do we have another gear? Are we like hiding? So, like, do you think we can show another gear and like you know t- level up in the next game?" And he was like, "I don't know. I don't. I, I think this is what you see. I think is what we are." And so, yeah, I mean, it was a surprise to us. Yeah, we were surprised too. Yeah, we were definitely surprised. And, and at the game, at the end, we were like, "Good thing there wasn't a three or four extra minutes left in the game." It, it felt like though. You know, Thorne was uh, starting to heat up there in the end. And Mike, was it Mosley? Am I getting that right? Or Coleman, the receiver? Uh, Coleman. Was, Coleman was the one who started Coleman. to get going. Yeah. 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 And Coleman started. They started getting a hot hand. So we got <laughs> we got a little tense at the end because we'd seen some we'd seen some collapses and some <laughs> tough games over the last few years. So we, it was nice to see that, at least from our perspective, the new regime. Uh, have these guys thinking different because we've seen some pretty rough endings. <laughs> yeah, that that um, that interception he threw at the end, like where he tiptoed the out or the back of the end zone, and then he just threw a pick anyways. Like if that possession somehow gets extended and he doesn't throw that pick, it I think it would have gotten pretty interesting there because at that point we had already built a little momentum, and I think it was maybe a nine point game already. And then he threw that pick, and it was like all right. Let's just let's just go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to chat a little bit about uh, the experience of coming out to East Lansing for uh, dog fans next year? What we could expect? What kind yeah, of greetings definitely. we would uh, receive? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. So I was thinking about this actually. I've been thinking about it the last few days. Like you guys. So I don't know if any, either of you traveled to Ann Arbor last season when you guys played Michigan. Um, you? I, I, I was I planning on – go ahead, Jimmy. Year, we've gone before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See, I've, I've gone to Michigan in the past, but I didn't go last year. I was planning okay. on going, but we lost to Montana, and that just sapped all my <laughs> – that just sapped all my reason for being, basically. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can't blame you for that. Um, so – it's funny, like Michigan, Michigan State, both massive football programs and massive universities. Um, and then looking at Washington, like, it's crazy. You guys exist outside of that major city right there where Ann Arbor, it's like 45 minutes outside of Detroit, and it has a little bit of the college. Like, it's a kind of a town on its own. So there's stuff to mm-hmm. do. There's life there when school isn't in session, when football isn't being played. But then East Lansing is – it's like nowhere I've been college campus-wise. And I think it's – I don't know. I think people are surprised when they show up there just because, again, like so many people go there. They put out good basketball teams, pretty good football teams. And it, it's an hour and a half outside of Detroit. It's really like in the middle of nowhere. Um, the town – there is a town. There's bars, restaurants, things to do. But the only reason anything exists there is because – 50,000 kids show up in September every year. So it's, uh-huh. it's really, it's a true college where, town. Like, right. Like when my trip to Seattle, where Thursday through Saturday, we're hanging out, going to Pike's place, checking out the city. Like when you go to East Lansing, you're maybe you spend a day in Detroit and then drive up or something like that. 
but you can't call an Uber to Detroit and then get back to your hotel in East Lansing unless you want to spend a hundred dollars on one. Right. So it's a little different. Like when you show up there, it's they're, they're there for the football game. You're not there to see what the city's about. You're not there to do this. You're there to wait until Saturday starts. But I will say this. Once Saturday starts, and this is the awesome thing about state or about East Lansing, that I it's like the most surreal environment in the world. Like everything in a 30-mile radius just revolves around football. You wake up in the morning, no matter where you are in East Lansing, there's just something different in the air. You can sense that there's a game going on. There's music outside. You can hear it no matter where you are. There's people everywhere. Everyone's in a good mood. Um, it, it, yeah, it's like a true, true college town. And you like the place will be flooded because, again, it's going to be early season. Hopefully we're still undefeated. I assume Washington will be undefeated since it's early on. Like there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people around everywhere mm. you won't be able to escape it and um, the best part is for washington fans michigan state people love to have a good time so like you'll have no problem <laughs> finding things to do there'll be tailgates people will be offering you shots beers whatever it is food there's stuff to do everywhere and a lot of the cool part is so i didn't <clears throat> i didn't get to explore campus saturday as much at uw just because we were hanging out at my buddy's place and then we got there and we were in the parking garage and then went to the game. But I don't know if it's similar to East Lansing, but at NSU, like the entire campus everywhere, there's a plot of grass, essentially parking lot, grass, you name it. There's people set up and tailgating. Mm -hmm. So like you can walk the entire campus and it's like one of the biggest or the biggest in the country or something. And there's people tailgating no matter where you go. And then we've got the main strip of bars and restaurants and things like that. So it's different. It's different than Seattle just because there is no major city. But it's a cool feeling. Like, I, I don't know. It feels very special to be there for a Saturday. I mean, it sounds like it. And only being well, an hour and a half away me. from a – Yeah, only being, mm-hmm. only being an hour or hour and a half away from a big city. I mean, that's – you know, it's not that far. I mean, that's Yeah, it's not too reasonable. bad. But, I mean – so like like you could see Husky Stadium from Seattle, which is it's wild because you know Detroit like it's still you got to make a little bit of a drive, and then there are the suburbs and everything. But I think that's part of the cool cool aspect is like there all those people there are driving up from wherever they are, like the west side of the state, Detroit. Who knows? Then people might be coming from Ohio, like wherever people are just congregating in East Lansing for that day. It's cool. And then it's, yeah, like the place, the neighborhoods there, they're just run by students. So like the, the neighborhoods around, it's just kids partying. It's a wild scene, honestly. So I'm excited for you guys to experience it. I'm like, I'm excited for the flip side of this conversation next year. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I have, uh, I have a longtime friend out in Grand Blank. So I'm, I'm, I'm oh, nice. to make it out there next year. Yeah, that's real close too. So you can stay there and pop into the into the town for game day real easy. We're gonna hopefully game day will be there. We'll even add to the experience. Oh, well, I mean oh, game man. day yeah. should should have been at our game. It should have been at that game. That's true. where. Yeah, where were they this weekend? Pet was it Penn yeah, State no, Auburn? To, I think. Oh, might have been that. That's a that's a pretty good game. Though. Oh, I thought it was this. It was Troy versus uh, App State. 
Oh, oh, I think you're. I think they were at App State. I think was you're that right, was actually. that the was that the yeah. first week or was that last week? I think that was last week. Was, oh, well, yeah, I think you guys were right. Notre Dame, yeah. Ohio State, maybe before that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you guys were right. two weeks before. Yeah, damn, that's tough. I got a just another Michigan State question for you, Nick. Like, how does basketball mm-hmm. compare? Like, I guess there's not really tailgating for basketball games, but I mean, Michigan State has. Uh, I mean that's a legendary basketball program. So how I mean how do, are, do people get just as jacked up for basketball? Or I mean, what about you personally? How does that fit in? Yeah, bas- basketball is awesome. Um, it's it's hard to compare. So obviously, I, I know it rains a lot in Seattle in the winter, and then in Michigan it's freezing cold and there's snow on the ground. So during the basketball season on a Saturday or during the week, whenever it's like, Oh, we get to go do something fun and it's inside and it's warm. Easy. You don't need to convince anybody to go to the Breslin center in the middle of January. The atmosphere is always nuts too. And then the teams are usually pretty good. So that helps. Um, it's hard to describe because we are, I would say like known for the basketball program more so than the football, but at least like my friends and I, if you ask them, like, what what do you get more fired up for? What do you what would you rather win in? I think most people would say football. And I don't know. Maybe that's because mm. we've been to eight Final Fours in how 20 whatever years has those been there. I don't know if it's because of that. Like, we're used to the basketball success more. Or, like, Michigan's a football state. People are obsessed with it. I, I don't know. I think, like, for me, too, I'd rather see the football team win. I, it just fires me up more. I football's my favorite sport, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it's tough because, yeah, like you think of MSU and you probably think of the basketball program and Tom Izzo before the football program. But with that said, I was lucky enough. So my freshman year there was the year MSU made the college football playoff, won some insane games that season. Like, oh yeah, we, some, I, we remember days, that. Yeah days I'll never forget some games that'll just that like that Michigan game, the fumbled snap, it'll be famous until I die. But then my senior year, um, Cassius Winston's junior year, they made the final four run. They beat Duke, Zion Williamson and all them in the elite eight. As much as I love football and as awesome as those games were against Michigan and Ohio state and beating Iowa in the big 10 championship, that college football playoff year, the March Madness run, th- there is something special about making a Final Four run. I'll tell you what. Like, I, I don't even know if it's because the tournament's a couple weeks versus just one game at a time. There's a buzz on campus, like professors. You're sitting in class, and there's, like, a mutual understanding. You and the professors are, like, what? Checking your brackets. Like, yeah. Like, no, we're all, like, this is a joke. Like, we're here. Let's just get to Thursday or whenever MSU plays. It's an electric feeling being on campus for basketball. It's, it's, but, a great, it's the greatest month in sports. I mean, it's fucking yeah, awesome. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like, the upsets. Oh, man. I, it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about that run they made. But I do I do think MSU fans as a whole, I, I'd say they're probably more starved for football success if I had to pick mm-hmm. a side. But uh, that's interesting considering you, ju- I mean, you made the playoff and you had, I think, what did you have one or two? You had two conference championships recently with one Rose Bowl win, or do you have two I, Rose Bowl wins? I can't remember. They got the one Rose Bowl, and then from 2010 to 15, they won the Big Ten three times. 
But see, but like that was seven years ago now. Like it's starting to be, you know, it's starting to be in the rearview window a little bit. Yeah, I we I remember we probably talked about Mark D'Antonio once or twice like years ago on this pot. He was a really good coach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he was a legend. I mean, he like the MSU was awesome in the '60s, but D'Antonio in the modern era like brought them back to relevance. And I think that's too why there was. I was gonna, I was going to say that's I think that's why people get so fired up about Mel Tucker is like. D'Antonio returned them to relevance, was beating Michigan, beating Penn State, beating Ohio State, winning Big Ten championships. And he was recruiting, like, three-star dudes from wherever in Pennsylvania. MSU fans, we look at it now, they're pumping money into a new facility. Mel Tucker, his whole thing is if you can't recruit at Michigan State, you probably can't recruit. So it's like guys like me are sitting here going, well, we won when we were recruiting nobodies and banking mm-hmm. on them becoming Le'Veon Bell, what happens when we recruit guys that we know are going to be good? Like surely we'll win more big times. So I think that's part of the, the anger for MSU football. Yeah. There was certainly a time where I think Washington fans wanted D'Antonio at Washington. I mean, that, his name came up a lot uh, years ago. Really? Cause yeah, there's a lot of dark days in the East of uh, lore in the last 20 years. It's like 20, we've 2013, run, I think. But we've had a lot of what, – what's that? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, was just tw- I think it was 2013. But, yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, no, That's when they wanted yeah, D'Antonio? Well, just there were fa- fans just talking on multiple message boards, like pretty knowledgeable fans were saying, like, you know, this this is a guy who – like, this is a really good coach. Fits the mold. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the kind of guy we would want at Washington. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, that would have been a bummer. I'm glad it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, before we uh, let you go, Nick, uh, why don't you uh, plug plug your Twitter and uh, plug uh, your business? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I do I do a podcast, Michigan State. Obviously, I'm an MSU fan. I talk about Michigan as well, um, and then the four major teams in Detroit. Uh, it's called The Detroiter. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And then my Twitter is the two underscores, the underscore, underscore, Detroiter. Um, same deal for Instagram. And then on TikTok, I think it's just the period Detroiter. The, the the pictures it's like a rainbow you'll see it when you see it you'll know it so there you go the Detroiter and I'm Nick Bradley one, that in there <laughs> do you want to plug your uh, the question. t-shirts that you're selling oh yeah yeah I do a or I have a uh, like sportswear streetwear brand that I run a lot of sports stuff I'm trying to do others but right now mainly Detroit I've created a couple other things I'm gonna make a Seattle shirt which is another byproduct of me visiting there. I left and was like, I just have to make, I have to make something. I don't have a choice, um, but it's secondstring.com. So that the, and then the number two and the string.com. So you can check it out if you, uh, you know, just want a piece of MSU gear just to wear around the house when nobody's watching. Help yourself. <laughs> Are the Leos for real? Oh, I hope so. I know they look good. Both. I mean, the defense got shredded week one, but Philadelphia looks like the team to beat in the NFC. 
Oh, I hope they're real. I, I, it's funny, like us Lions fans, there's like two factions where the Lions are obviously the Lions. That means one thing to people, whether you live in Washington or you live in Michigan, failure. And I swear there's, there's like a division where half the fans of the Lions, they're, they're like happy to tell you that the team is bad. It's the weirdest thing. Like they want the same old Lions prophecy to be fulfilled every year. So strangest thing, after they lost that game week one to Philly, there were people going, yeah, Dan Campbell doesn't know what he's doing. Like, yeah, he's a funny guy on, you know, in Twitter clips and stuff, but he doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm sitting there going, we had the worst roster in the NFL last year. And this is week one against a team that might win the NFC. And you guys are like puffing your chest about how you were right about the lines being bad. It's the weirdest thing, but they look pretty good. They've run the ball. Jared Goff, like, looks pretty solid. The defense was better in week two, which is all you can ask for. If they get better in week three, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I feel pretty good about the Lions. Like, based on what happened last year, they're sitting in a spot where I don't know how you could ask for much more than being one-on-one and everything improved week to week. So, so I, look, for a Lions tr- fan, this I'm, is like I'm, I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for him, and I like Dan Campbell. So, uh, thank I'll count you. me in as a Leo. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, we need more people like you out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, it it seems like their trajectory is up. Yeah, and that, exactly. Like I, as long as they're improving and they look better and like things get better, I can't complain. Nobody's expecting us to win the Super Bowl this year. Just like win more games, be better, run the ball a little bit more, defense be a little bit better, Jared Goff be a little bit better, and they have been. Everybody has been. So, it's like, what do you? Uh, and then there's people running around going. I won't buy it. This team hasn't won anything in the 50 years I've been alive. I'm like, dude, that's not helping anything. No, it does not. <laughs> no, no. How about the Seahawks for you guys? Week one was pretty exciting, but I don't know. I think they shot I think they. shot their wad that week. They yeah. blew their wad. Like, yeah, that's that going to be the peak be. of the season. Yeah, their season was beating Russell. That was yeah. Their yeah. I think it's the season is over now. It's gonna be a rough year. Yeah. You guys got Kenneth Walker. I'm I'm hoping he uh, balls out a little bit, despite everything. Yeah, they else gave him plenty of opportunities. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they, as so. soon as he was healthy, he was playing. Yeah, yeah, that's good to see. I, I mean, that Geno Smith line after they beat Russ, where he was like, they wrote me off and I didn't write back. That was unbelievable. I, I, you could have convinced me the Seahawks were making the playoffs. The moment he finished that sentence. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Thanks so much for coming on, Nick. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And we'll have to do do this again, maybe before the, uh, we'll preview the game next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. It's cool. uh, Cool meeting you guys and talking to Washington fans. Well, thanks so much to Nick for coming on. And now we'll proceed with uh, talking about the dog specifically. Uh, what's uh, what's on your mind with respect to the dogs, Jimmy? Well, obviously the buzz around Penix and the program is something to behold because as we've been through the dumps the last three years, 
sitting in the dumps, it feels like there's a a huge upswing in attention. The marketing is has gotten so much better in just a very short time. And we talked about it last week, but it's just shocking to think like the difference between the Lake program and the DeBoer program and the fact that they wanted to fight or they were willing to keep Lake as the head coach. But what we're seeing now, it's just, it's just incredible of how quickly you can turn things around with, with the right coach and, and having an elite quarterback. I, I, again, I know it's early in the season, but I don't think we could have anticipated what we've seen so far uh, in this early season, in the early part of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think if Penix is healthy for the entire season, this team is probably going to win 10 games, if not nine games, if we're being yeah. honest. Um, so yeah, yeah no, that, and we'll we'll delve into that. I mean, a couple other things because you mentioned about the marketing. One quick thing on Jen Cohen, and sorry to go negative, people, because I know a lot of people hate that, but I do have to mention, Jimmy, people on Dogman, they're already wanting to build a statue of her practically. Okay, that's a gross exaggeration, yeah. but there's like a long thread praising her. Look, we're only three games into this. Look, remember Neuheisel, I mean, three or four or five games in, a year and a half, you know, two years into it, he looks really good. Now, DeBoer is different. I mean, he's he's pr- he's a proven coordinator. He, he looks like he's going to be a proven head coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's ju- the, the hero worship after three games. I mean, it's sickening to me. I mean, because you, you pointed out, if not for that guy getting punched by Jimmy Lake, they might have kept him. Yeah, no, I, they probably would have. Yeah, and, and and I think one obvious difference though between DeBoer and New Heights, I just have to point out is New Heights was a spotlight chaser, and you know there was all those rumors of him always looking, you know, for the next job, and you know that could be DeBoer too, right? I mean he's he's jumped uh, programs uh, pretty quickly, but uh, you know that's because of his success. But New Heights seemed to have an eye on the NFL. But the point being is there does seem to be a there's a difference between New Heights and DeBoer. I feel like there's you can definitely sense that, that that they are different people. But yeah, it's still very young in his early, you know, in his campaign. Right. So talking about the marketing and and look, you know, Cohen, but but let's just quickly too though, you know, DeBoer wasn't Cohen's first pick. Yeah, I think you know, he the was rumors like the were it was choice. Matt Campbell. Yeah, it was he was third or fourth choice. So. <laughs> Yeah. So let's slow down there, dog, man. Yeah. Now, on the marketing, um, an interesting point. Someone made this point about, you know, you have a marketable star at quarterback. That really helps. Uh, But another point, in addition to that, that I like to make is this defense is actually more marketable because this is a defense that is going to blitz more. The strength of the defense is up front. And so the defense, while it's going to give up some long passes and more passing yards, it's more exciting for the fan. You know, that aggression up front, trying to get sacks and pressure versus what we saw the last couple of years, which was the strength is in the back end. And it's kind of a really, you know, Kwiatkowski had a really, really good bend but don't break style, um, which works yeah. best when you have, you know, an insane 
front four like we saw in 2016. But so I think that's, I mean, the combination of that, you know, obviously Penix is so easy to market, just incredible plays. He's incredible deep. I mean, there were just a handful of passes that were 30 or 40 yards. Uh, But in addition to that, you have a defense that really gave the quarterback a tough time, got a lot of pressure on Peyton Thorne. And uh, so it's going to be exciting both ways. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, going back to that question about whether they had another gear, you know, was answered. And, you know, the point being is that, you know, okay, this is the season starts now. And, you know, if they can bring that level of emotion and intensity and focus, I mean, they, they will be very difficult to beat week in and week out, even where we've had, like, I think at UCLA is going to be tough, obviously at Oregon, uh, they're going to be in Pullman for the Apple cup. Uh, so there's obviously some you know, challenging games ahead, but you would feel pretty good in every game. If that's the level of play they brought week in and week out. Now, will they sustain it? We shall see. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, so yeah, let's talk about the positives. I mean, obviously there were the offensive line. Penix was only touched on that one play that was a penalty, or very, I think it was the first or second drive. So uh, Jacoby Winman, who we talked about, was leading the country in sacks individually. He didn't even get any pressures. So Roger Rosengarten did a fa- fantastic job on him. You know, really good coaching. They explicitly had him focus on Winman more in the pass game uh, than, you know, in the run game. So great coaching there, great play by Rosengarten um, in, in the entire offensive line, to be sure. But, Jimmy, in addition to that, on the defensive side, I think I you showed you the Bill Connolly advanced stats. The average contact for us on their ball carriers was minus half a yard in the backfield. So the defensive line played yeah. – an amazing game. I mean, they were really good. I mean, we wouldn't watching the first couple of weeks. We wouldn't have expected that, you know, this was supposed to be a potential area of concern coming into the season. I mean, tequila, we talked about it, the rush defense, they had two good backs and they had something like 29 carries for like 46 yards or something. I mean, just a great job by the the defense. Yeah. I mean, it was a total surprise because, you know, the, the tackling was, was not up to snuff, obviously, the first two weeks. And, you know, they had turned that around uh, enormously in, in, in one week, uh, you know, from the week prior. And, you know, I was so hard on, on Ir- Julius Irvin. And I think you pointed out over the week, you know, actually how well he played. I mean, he had so many impact plays in that game. Um, what, what a pleasant surprise. Because, uh, obviously, they've been thin at the corner position with injury. And for him to play like that, um, for him, that's, that's that's all you huge. can ask for is a backup guy stepping in and, and playing as a you know playing at a starter level. Yeah, because obviously you need guys like that to step up, and I think w- what's also going to help is, and this reminds me a little bit of the 2018 season in the in the respect that remember Hunter Bryant came back at the end of the season, he had some huge catches in the Apple Cup, 
Trey Adams also. I, I don't know if it was – I think it was the Apple Cup too when whoever was left tackle got hurt, so he came in. I mean, it obviously wasn't the 2016 Trey Adams. But you look at what we have now, Jackson Kirkland, you know, we didn't need him that game, so he can slowly come back and provide depth. I know. And we forgot about Eddie Ulafosio too. I mean, he's going to come back middle of the season, you know, but maybe – plus or minus a week or two. But, I mean, that's going to provide great depth in the front seven. Yeah, I mean, the idea of a flow show coming back in the linebacker position would just be would, would be huge for this team. And, and Cam Bright, I mean, had a, had a nice game as well. And, you know, I think areas of concerns are, are starting to, you know, shore themselves up a little bit this week. You know, obviously, you know, we got to see it sustained. But, boy, I mean – yeah, there's a there's a lot of positives to you know be focused on with this team in a number of areas, right? Now, obviously the run game's got to turn a corner, but if you throw the ball, if you can throw the ball and keep guys that wide open throwing the ball, I mean, we only need maybe a marginal improvement at the run game. Yeah, and I think I still, you know, I see a lot of people complaining about the offensive line, you know, in the goal line situations, and I get that, but Jimmy, I, I feel like on one of the times we were stopped, um, I feel like the backs should have been able to get in. So I, I still think it's I still think it's a running back issue. And and perhaps Richard Newton, I mean, he was really successful in twenty nineteen in short yardage situations. Uh perhaps um he's going to come back and, you know, they'll use him in those spots. And, and, you know, you probably expect him to be more effective than the other guys have been. Yeah. I, I think that's something they're going to obviously look at, you know, that grub and, and the guy, they're going to obviously look at their inside the 10 offense. They'll, they'll fix it. I, I'm not worried about that. And, you know, you should be able to run the ball in from where they were trying to, right. I mean, there's no there's no reason they shouldn't have been able to run it in, you know, and, and to the point that Michigan State, you know, did have some guys up front. So it's not like they had a bunch of puffs in front of them either. Yeah, that is very true. Very true. Um, so, yeah, get, I mean, getting back to the getting back to the secondary, if we're looking at the advanced stats, I mean, I did see them today. I don't have them in front of me, but Julius Irvin, as far as, the times he's been targeted and the passes that he's given up. I think it's only he's excuse me. He's only given up two or three receptions out of seven or eight attempts compared to the, the other guys in the secondary, their numbers are a lot worse. So, and he did have that interception mm. in addition to other plays. So he, the, I mean, you, you can, you can tell just watching the film, but I'm just saying the numbers also bear that out. And, you know, hope we, we played that game without Asa Turner and Perryman. So we played without two starters I think Ace is going to be out for a couple weeks. Perryman, I'm not sure. You know, I'm I'm still not ready to give up on him. I mean, he only played one game, so um, you know, it'd be it'd be yeah, nice if we could absolutely. get him get him back. Well, just touching back on Irvin for a minute. Remember, I mean, he was a four star recruit, and you know, we were really excited about him. Uh, you know, choosing Washington, and obviously it took him a while to to see him get on the field and be uh, impactful. Uh, I just hope this is a start of a guy. I mean, we always talk about a guy coming in the season, you know, surprising us um, that 
you know, so as a surprise player. And I, so far right now, I feel like Urban's definitely one of those guys um, that is, you know, playing above what we expected for him coming into the year. And you need guys like that, right, to pop up. And obviously Polk on offense. And side note, that picture of him and Penix uh, standing together for the Stanford uh, game, oh, man, that is amazing. That's so good. I mean, that's 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 A-plus right there. The social media and the marketing team are really killing it. Yeah, and, and Hadley Heck, is that her name? She came from the Beavs to, yes. to come to Washington, I think. Yeah. Um, I, man, good. You know, she's doing good. <laughs> I, I, I think she puts out some great stuff. That's a win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, back to what you said about, yeah, I mean, guys popping, you also need that to really, you know, win a championship, but also really compete for a championship and be a 10 win team. And yeah, I mean, you talked mm-hmm. about it, you know, mm-hmm. Polk, uh, Irvin is another guy, um, you know, hopefully we can see in the coming weeks more guys because there's a lot of talent on the team, as we know. Hopefully we can see more guys level up in that way because if we're looking at the weaknesses of this team, you know, we know it's a little bit in the back end. We know, you know, running backs are not dynamic enough at this point. But also this team is going to be really reliant on Penix. And so we want this team, like you don't want to have, to need Penix to have his A game every week to be able to win the game. You know, because realistically, right. there's probably going to be, you know, what if you're playing somebody, what if it's this week and Penix has a C-plus game? You know, you need to be able to win the game. We, we can't, you know, we shouldn't have to rely on him needing an A game to make sure that we beat Stanford. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be key, right? Because that's, that's where, you know, this team can get tripped up is if, you know, Penix isn't having his best game. Like, they're going to have to win it other ways. Like, yeah, they can't rely on his arm every week uh, to win. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's – I think that's my concern at this point. Certainly, now, obviously, you know, injury. But yeah, I mean, can't, aside, can't aside from that, major right? injury, yeah. 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 So, and I mean, it, it's just crazy to think like with Kirkland and Elfosio you know, not playing, like it's almost, you could say it's like, <laughs> we're not missing those two. Crazy to say it. Um, so with, with their uh, return, I mean, how much better could they even be offensively and then in linebacker? Um, that, because those, those guys are proven players right they have a lot of football experience uh i mean you're just again you're getting better right there adding adding two veterans that have a lot of football uh on their resume yeah and you know the leadership as well obviously this i mean this team the way they played that game i mean it really reflects to me coaching but also leadership from the players I mean, they were everybody was yeah, really I mean, just, everybody was completely dialed in on what they needed to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just 
the the change is just it's hard to like we you know honest, like doing this podcast it's way more fun when the team is good i mean it's hard right when you're just like talking about how pitiful everything is and how they're not doing anything to fix it and then here we are with like massive upgrades and Robert Griffin putting a Washington at number two as the top five team in Washington the country. ESPN Game Days pumping up their drone footage. Uh, I mean, Herb Street's talking about DeBoer in Washington. Uh, you know, that's that's a huge difference than when we were at this point last year, right? We were dealing with a drubbing of being rushed on for 350 yards against Michigan. Yeah, and that's that's why we need so. to. That's why we really need to keep it going in the next couple of weeks so that we, you know, the national pub that we're getting, so it doesn't die off completely. So it kind of, st- you know, we, we stay in the mix. And you'd, you'd probably like this, but uh, you know who Josh Pate is. I've, you know, referenced him. Uh, he's really, to me, the best college football analyst. He's a 247 guy. He has his own show on YouTube. But he is really, really sharp. He's obviously, you know, heavily focused on the South, but it, he had us going eight and four this year. And so after the, after the, uh, the game, you know, in one of his videos analyzing some of the games and he said that, you know, when I was looking at Washington over the summer, he said this, t- he said, I said to myself, this team has a surprising amount of talent that was horribly misutilized under Jimmy Lake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you think of like a, 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 can you think of a, that's like the best sentence to sum up the entire team last year. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really, it was the perfect way to, to, to illustrate like how, how bad it was. Yeah. No, that, I saw that quote. Yeah. I mean, spot on. Couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> And so, and he said, you know, he said, you know, this is a team I'm going to have my eyes on this week. And so, yeah, a lot of these national, they're going to be taking us, you know, another look and saying, okay, was Washington just a one hit wonder or is this actually a team that can be a contender? That's what the national, the national, uh, I think, question will be this week. Oh, for sure. And probably the, probably the. I would think the next two weeks, honestly, because if you are, you should take care of Stanford, and then you should beat UCLA. I know you that that'll be a tough game, but if if you get to five and zero, oh, looking at the schedule, that's when national people are going to say, okay, you know this, they're like a real contender. Yeah, if they get to five and zero, oh, it's kind of like the 2016 team in a way, right? Like they just started winning convincingly and started shooting up the and getting a lot of attention and you know but i think in this sense though you know Penix is going to get a lot of the attention you know just because you know he's been so good with the ball and they've been so explosive uh right just huge chunk plays in the air uh you know if espn's cutting highlights you know washington's producing the kind of highlights they want to cut for a show right and you make big play after big play, you, you're five and zero. Oh. Yeah, you're going to be ending up uh, being highlighted amongst the national media. It's just, it's just a given. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you know, another thing because we, t- I, I mentioned it before the season on one of these pods. So if 
Washington finishes the season at an SRS number 22, that will be the greatest single season turnaround for a new coach in the history of the Pac-12. In Pac-8, you know, Pac-10 as well. So, um, mm. you know, after last week, that's look that's looking like a you know definitely a possibility for DeBoer. Well, let's hope. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about Stanford a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I I know they have a problem with turnovers. I'm trying to get that to load um, on my computer here. Uh, having trouble, but, um, you know, the one thing I'll say, Jimmy, I'm really angry that this is not a day game. Um, mm, yeah. Our, cause our, yeah. our buddies, our buddy Huskies fan 91, he was saying if it's a day game, it would be sold out for sure. Seven thirty game. Probably not. I did look at the secondary market and, um, you know, it, I'm kind of optimistic because in the secondary market, you know, I was looking at the similar tickets that I had last week, and I was thinking these are going to be way cheaper. They're not. They were like five or ten dollars cheaper. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm looking into it the wrong way, but um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get a decent crowd again that gives these guys a lift. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really tough. That it's a seven thirty kick. Um, I, yeah, that's a late game. People, you know, a lot of people complained about the late game. You know, you're, you're committing your whole night. You're not getting home until midnight. Um, yeah, they'll, but you know, hopefully people are still riding high from last week and, and it's hopefully it's another good weather. I haven't looked at the weather, but hopefully it's another good weather night. Cause that always does help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, looking at the weather, uh, let me see here. So Sunday we have a high of 73 and a low of 53 sunny. Mm. So, uh, well, yeah, what are they going to do to get the fans at this game? I mean, obviously Stanford's been, uh, it's been tough for Washington over the years. Uh, you know, we, I don't know what our record is against Shaw, but you know we've had some tough losses against Shaw. When, when even when we felt like we were the better team. Yeah, twenty seventeen, twenty nineteen. Yeah. So I mean, this game, it, and we've been manhandled a few times, like just you know our asses kicked. But last year we weren't manhandled. No, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, one that's huge... Po- but we've had hu- some tough... Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, one huge positive um, is EJ Smith, their running back, who's the son of Emmett Smith. He's really yeah. good, and he's injured. He's out. And so yeah, he's out. he was... He's he, yeah, he yeah, was... I was going to mention that. I mean, that, that to me is worth at least a couple points. Yes, I, I, that that is that's a big plus for Washington this week. Uh, missing on one of their best players. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's run through questions because we have a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, it's we've been we've 
I know we've been potting for a while, so the energy isn't as high. Okay, from Sub K, what did pa- Tala Papa do to become captain and running back one with scheme priority over Cam when just his goal line fumble, let alone when Cam does all the work to get down there again for Papa to have three rushes to get 1.5 yards and he got a... <laughs> so I, I guess he's he's saying, why isn't Cam Davis ahead yeah. of Tala Papa? Um well, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting point there on the uh, those goal line series, Jimmy, because we know that twice we didn't get in, but uh, Cam Davis got in, you know, when we got down there from the three-yard line. I think he was able to get in. So Could there be an element that Tali Papa is kind of a try-hard? Like, he busts his ass in practice you know he's on time for meetings he's engaged i i you know it's hard hard to say uh, i mean i think davis like we've mentioned many times has a higher upside but they like tolly papa and i'm wondering if it's just because you know he's a day in and day out grinder maybe he's working harder than the rest of the guys he's you know he's earned the playing time you know by his prep and you know his willingness to do what it takes uh, as a as a team player, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, um, I have to look at the numbers, but I mean, it feels like they're getting a similar amount of carries with Talapapa, maybe getting a few more. It seems like he's getting a few more, but yeah, we should definitely look at uh, the count for sure. Um. Okay, how big is your, or how is your big Penix energy? I mean, it, it's pretty good, but it'll be even bigger if we see another great game this week. Yeah, yeah. If he keeps it going, uh, the energy is just going to keep upping and upping, growing. Yeah, I mean, the it's going to be Penix fever, baby. And I have to say, the energy of the wide receivers. I mean, you know, McMillan after. Or not the energy, but just the play. I mean, I love McMillan after catching that deep pass on the first series. You know, he was really fired up, got the crowd fired up. And are you you questioning my energy, by the way, Chest? No, no, I'm not. I just said I love the energy of the wide (laughs) receivers. No, I'm low energy right now, too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, the receiving core. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, I love these guys. I love this team. I mean, there is a new commitment, right, from from a lot of these guys. It's it's clear. I mean, the writing was on the wall, and uh, I, we're just lucky that you know DeBoer fell to us, and uh, you know Penix came on board. I mean, those those two pieces have just been mammoths for this year, obviously. Yeah, you know, uh, one of my buddies, an LSU fan, he asked, like, did is this the best offseason Washington has ever had? And I said, probably yes. So the funny thing is we always joke about the off-season national championship. It looks like we did win the off-season national championship. Yeah, we actually we we actually did. It, it, it actually came to fruition. Um, it, it's certainly feeling that way right now. Absolutely. Yeah, No. nobody's mentioned that yet on Hardcore Husky. Shout out to them. I'm surprised. Shout out to Derek yeah, Johnson books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, Mike Damone, he's he's real big on the offseason natty, so I'm surprised he hasn't mentioned that we actually won one. <laughs> Can't wait for his five <laughs> reasons this week. Yeah, can't wait. He should do a five yeah. reasons for the Seahawks. I think that would be funnier. <laughs> Can you imagine, like talking about yeah. like Sean Sean oh, Alexander, <laughs> talking about like Sean Alexander or oh. Dave Wyman, yeah, yeah. Speed, we'll, we'll speed, walk, speed. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of material to work with there right now. I miss I miss Rody making fun next? of the I miss I miss Rody making fun of the twelves. I know, no, he was on point with that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was on point with the twelves, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he was always dialed in on the twelves. <laughs> okay, next question: If Pete hires DeBoer as OC in 2018, and actually let him run the offense, how differently would 2018 and especially 2019 be? Yeah, probably a huge difference. Um, but that you know, if he was the OC, is Pete still our coach? Is DeBoer not our coach? You know, like how does that change the trajectory of the future? Right? Does Pete stay on board because they're still good? You know, and he's not pissed off all the time. I don't. You know, hard to say um, how it all would have worked out. Maybe we wouldn't have had DeBoer now. So yeah. would you rather have DeBoer then and win or do you want to, you know, or do you with, like the way it played out and have DeBoer now? You know, that's the question. Did you want DeBoer a few years back or do you want him now as head coach? Well, it depends how many years we ha- we would we would have him as a coordinator. Right. I mean, he could have had two amazing years at Washington and, you know, he, then he got a big-time job. Because you know his offense is so prolific. Yeah. So you know, a lot, lot of what ifs. Yeah. Um, but sir, would we could, would we have taken him then? Sure. Of course. Yeah, I mean, 2018. Maybe we have a couple more wins. Maybe we have a chance to win the Rose Bowl, like a legit chance. Yeah. 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 That would have been epic, right? I mean, there could have been some pretty memorable finishes and obviously for the program it could have who knows what it would have done to the trajectory i don't know you know it could have catapulted him to even be better who knows okay next question how cool is it that UW football is back to being the talk of the town yeah man i mean it's as i was saying it's 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 fun to be excited about dogs talking about them on the podcast so it's it's a lot more fun talking about a good team or a team that has a lot of potential and they're showing it it's uh it's all makes the falls a lot better too right just not knowing you're gonna just watch shit football uh for the upcoming week it's no longer a burden for you to do this podcast yeah no for sure <laughs> I mean, who wants to talk about this program after they just get run all over and 
you know, <laughs> they're limping on offense. I mean, what are you talking about? Just how awful they look. I mean, great. Let's, who wants to hear about it? You know, <laughs> it's a lot more fun when you watch your quarterback dropping dimes uh, right on point for long touchdowns and your defense getting juiced. I mean, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, I love that we talked about last year the the game before Oregon where we said, okay, Jimmy Lake is he's bottomed out. Like that that was probably yeah. like the bottoming out, and then the next week he fires himself. I mean, it's just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Washington's had some interesting coach coaching changes and downfalls. Very unique. Yeah, and that's why Karma gave us DeBoer and Penix this year. That's that's right. Yeah, right so it was time. <laughs> All right. Uh, I hop or Denny's when we inevitably get out of the game at 1 a.m.? For me, Denny's. I would kind of say I hop, but I haven't been to either of them in a really long time. Well, you know, I'm a hash browns guy, and Denny's hash browns are, you know, it's, it's, I probably haven't ate, eaten them in 15 years, but yeah, I'm going with the hash browns at Denny's. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. <laughs> Do it. Uh, the table is set for a classic dog's flop against the lesser Northern California school. What mm. makes this year different, or is it? Mm. You know, I don't get the sense that we're going to have a flop. I think, uh, I think they, I think they beat Stanford. I, I think that was a big emotional win, but I think they're on a, they're on a, I think the board knows how to build off a game like this. Um, and I, I think, I'll, I think I'll have this team ready to play. I, I don't see that. I don't have a sense that's going to happen. It's yeah. Good. I mean, we'll, we'll do. We'll get to predictions shortly, but I, I also get the sense that um, that just there's – you could see more leveling up from some of the positions and players. Mm. You know, guy, guys are – And the other thing is, yeah. Guys are going to get a lot, a lot – and I like your 2016 comparison after the Stanford game. I mean, obviously this team is not going to be as good as that one, um, but – Right. I, I do think it can kind of, the Michigan State game can be an inflection point, and these players know. Look, if we do everything, we don't make mistakes. You know, we give it our all. We can be, you know, we can be a top fifteen. You know, really good team. That's a contender. Yeah, no, I, I think it's all there in front of them. The Montana loss is still fresh, so that'll you know keep us from getting too too, too <laughs> big of heads, right? Yeah, well, and I think one thing, if this team, you know, does get off to a slow start or struggles, the way the offense runs, they can score so quickly. Um, it's like, I feel like they have, they'll have opportunities to turn it on. You know, if they're struggling, like, I, yes. they they can turn it around and, and score quick, right? They have, they have an offense where they can get points quickly, um, which, you know, we didn't feel like we had that uh in, in years past and this team you know can score in bunches if need be right especially if they start slow and there was still 
I mean, they faced resistance at times in the last game. I mean, Michigan State scores right before. You know, they cut the lead to two scores right before halftime. And, you know, you got to be thinking, "Uh uh-oh, you know, they're right back in this game. And then, you know, we score in like 45 seconds. The same thing happens at the start of the second half. You know, they come down and score, you know, two-score game. And then (laughs) Penix, Penix, you know, hits them with an unbelievable rollout and deep shot. And we score again. And then, you know, the defense being tested in the fourth quarter, you know, giving up two touchdowns. And then, you know, possibly, you know, there was a risk of giving up, you know, another one potentially. They were, you know, so that, um, I think that, uh, that experience should help. Uh, I agree. Yep. Absolutely. Because now they know they're going to know what it takes to really blow a team out and put a team away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, look to blow out a team, you know, don't, (laughs) don't let up and just, just smash them. Yeah. And that's also, you know, potentially a weakness is, um, struggling to put teams away because we don't have a strong running game and we do have some weakness on pass defense. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's something to keep it. Yeah. That's definitely something to monitor. Um, why are people so high on Oregon state and Wazoo before conference play? Admittedly, the Wisconsin one was good. Uh, or our local media just excited for Northwest teams are good in the same season. Um, I, I, I tend to think, yeah, the local media is playing it up a little bit. I mean, I think we'll find out a lot about Oregon State this week. They're hosting USC. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, Dickert seems to be has the team bought in. Um, and, I mean, yeah, you can't ignore a win at Wisconsin. I mean, that's – you can hate the Cougs, whatever, but I mean that's a good win. That, that, I mean that's undeniably a good win. Um, you know, maybe Wisconsin was overhyped. Maybe they didn't deserve to be as ranked where they were. But uh, you know, that that's a confidence booster on the road, uh, beating Wisconsin. I mean that you're going to feel good about that. And, and they appear to have a another. They were appear to. Re- we're able to replace Delora too. I mean, their quarterback looks pretty good. Yeah. QB I mean, play matters. Yeah. Today. One, obviously. Yeah. One thing I'll mention is I think it was 2018 when BYU beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And then we, you know, beat them. What was mm-hmm. it? Like 35 to zero. Um, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. I'm not, but I, no, I definitely think Wazoo is good. They were good last year. I think they might've been six and three in conference. If I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and so yeah, they they were a good team last year, and um, I haven't watched them, but what people are saying is the deep, the front seven is definitely very good. So that that is probably going to be a challenge for us and a challenge for our offense. And mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? I mean, if their QB, if their QB is really good, you know, they could be a tough team. So we're yeah, we'll find out a lot about Wazoo. They're playing Oregon. Um. So that game is so that game's at Wazoo, right? That game is in Pullman. Yep. 
And so Oregon State is hosting USC. Um, USC, I don't think their defense is that good. I mean, they did force some turnovers against Stanford. Uh, two of them when Stanford was driving to score, like in the red zone. And Jimmy, if you look at the three games uh, USC has played, their run defense is not good at all. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. I watched some film against Rice. Rice was getting chunk yards against them. Um, I tweeted today, like mm-hmm. they, they, their, their run defense numbers are really bad. So, well, um, I mean, exploit it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we don't have to worry about it this year. Yeah, I mean, so to find out, yeah. So, in other words, we'll find out a lot about those teams. Uh, if UW wins decidedly Saturday, yeah. is it safe to say we should no longer fear Shaw? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, Stanford hasn't been as good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think. Yeah. Next question. Which I flight? Are yes. you... <laughs> Next question. Which flight are you taking to Pasadena in late December? Ooh, I like the thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll dial see. it up if need be. I would. I would probably go to Palm Springs and just lay on a raft in a pool <laughs> beforehand, <laughs> and then drive up. Yeah. Smart. Very smart. Yeah. That's wise. Is our punter really bad, or it? just seemed that way because race Porter was so good. Jimmy, to be honest, I haven't really noticed. Like if we punted what, like twice the whole yeah. season. Yeah. I was going to say, let's give him, let's give him a chance to give a few kicks under his belt. Yeah. He hasn't had many. Um, <clears throat> besides Penix, yeah, which hopefully you don't see him. That means we're just scoring points. Yeah, Exactly. What did you think of Mel Tucker going for it on every fourth down? I mean, I liked what Coker said that he was basically coaching as if he absolutely had to win that game. And if it was any other coach mm. who was coaching that game, um, that they would have lost by 30. You know, there was there could have been an element of just being frustrated and just, you know, we're going to run it, we're going to get it. You know, we're going to move the ball. We we shouldn't be losing this game, you know, type of thing. It, it's interesting. I'd be curious, you know, what yeah, what was going through his mind. But could have just been like, we're not going to lose this game. we got to go for it. And we're going to do it. You know, we're going for it. Get it done. But, you know, <laughs> didn't work out. Um. Okay. Excuse me, sorry. So, yeah, two tweets that are very similar. Besides Penix, which Husky has exceeded your expectations? And we have another one, different person. Uh, three guys that you were most impressed with so far this year. So maybe we could answer those both. So who do you think? Is there one Husky who's really exceeded your expectations? And maybe you could mention, like, three that you're impressed with. You know, obviously, I think you have to say Penix because the way they were playing the quarterback, you know, battle, you know, coach speak, I mean, they had to have known very clearly, very early on, that Penix was going to be the guy. Um, I, I, was, I didn't anticipate this start for him. 
So I don't think you can leave him out of being just impressed with how good he has been. Cause I mean, he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, obviously Irvin really jumped out of me. Asa Turner has gotten much better. Um, and I, I don't know if this is much of a surprise, but I, I really like, I really like Trice. Uh, and you, you know, Adam Warren, you'll talk about it, but you know, like with Smalls, like there was so much expectations on his shoulders. Um, you know, he's definitely coming along. So I feel like, uh, you know, he, his confidence has gotten better and he's, he's shown himself, uh, cause I mean, I think he was, we felt like maybe he wasn't living up to the hype and I think he's starting to, starting to get his feet under him. Yeah. Oh, but so besides Penix, I mean, who would be your, your, oh, I exceeded... can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Besides Penix, who would be just okay. one guy who's exceeded your expectations? One guy. Besides... If you're boiling it down to one guy. Well, after last week, I'm going to have to throw in Polk. Jalen Polk looks like a big timer, man. Yeah, and he has he has great hands. I can't recall him dropping Very good. a pass. Same with Jalen McMillan too. Hands. Yeah, and also but, you know Rome, I mean, Rome had I think a couple drops, but um, he I think he was hurt the last week. You know he didn't play, so it's it's I mean that's another example of guys stepping up when one of them's injured. Well, and that's the thing. Like if you bring in Polk into the equation, the defense who are they going to guard? You know. That's just going to be, it's just putting more pressure on the defense when you have guys that, you know, that can blow up like that. And it can be a different guy every week. And the, and the throws to the tight end were great. I mean, not a huge factor in the offense, but I feel, did, did Devin Culp have one or two, um, one or two? Well, he, he definitely had the one before halftime where it was like a 20 yard gain. You know, right. And then Jack Westover, yeah, who almost scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, the, um, the, so yeah. it, Penix is so good that he, even though those guys aren't primary targets, when he finds the tight end, it's like wow, you know, they're going to get twenty yards. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just uh, it, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense when you can't just try to focus on one guy offensively. Yeah, um, I would say, yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of the defensive, you know, linemen or the edge guys, I mean, they've really met, I think, what were high expectations. I mean, definitely I'd say uh, Savell has been, he's a probably, I don't know if he's exceeded our expectations, but we could say he's met our high expectations. Obviously Polk, I mean, I think Irvin, he's played really well. You know, he's coming mm-hmm. on and um Oh yeah, I think the offensive line. I mean, Troy Fautanu. Yeah, say yeah, that? you're right. And yeah. Roger Rosengarten. Both of them are graded. Yeah, those yeah. two guys on PFF. Um, their PFF grades are basically at an all conference level right now. And shout out to Thule too. He's the highest graded defensive lineman in the Pac-12 right now. So he's he's definitely killing wow. it. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, look, that's good news. It won't quit. So he's he's one guy on. I mean, we said it before, but he's definitely a guy on deep. Like we we can't afford for him to get hurt. Like that would hurt the defense. No, right, for sure. I would like to see. You know, and and I'm sure it'll happen, but I would like to see other. Like I'd like to see Dom Hampton start making more plays. I mean, he did yep. almost he did almost cause yep. a safety there um, when the quarterback nearly ran out of bounds. That was a good blitz by Hampton. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I want to see more guys making plays, but it 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 I mean it it looks good because you know you have a lot of guys who are showing up. You betcha, buddy. You All right, betcha. one more yeah, one more question. How many wins will it take for Jimmy to attend a UW game? Actually, it's zero, right? Because you went to the first game. Did he? That, that's what he said. Oh, oh I, I, I wasn't sure oh, if he was he, talking about Jimmy Lake, about or, Lake or me. I thought he was talking about you. Oh, read the question again. Oh, the question... Um, yeah, I already went to Kent State. I've already been to a game. How many wins will it take I'll, for Jimmy to attend a game? Oh, oh I, I thought he was talking about Lake. Uh, uh, you know, I if I can fit it in the schedule, I'm going. I, I don't need to. It doesn't need to be an amount of wins. I just got to make it happen. But I, yeah, I I was at Kent State. Had a great time. <laughs> great evening. Big win. A lot of fun. Yeah, if we get a um, if we get a day game, is that one you could attend? Yeah, it's definitely up the odds. Because then you could you could come the night before, drive home after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, life, man, gets busy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... you know, I had a I had a good run. I, yeah, I had a good run. Unfortunately, we just lost a lot of games when I was dialed in. But way it goes. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Michigan State. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm probably going to go too. That sounds awesome. Well, brother, uh, I know I know you're really tired. Um, I am as well. <laughs> But let's yeah. uh, let's bring this thing home with a prediction. A uh, one thing I think I already mentioned it, but EJ Smith is out for Stanford. Uh, their star running back. I've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what the spread is, but on uh, um, you know the advanced stats guys. I think shout out to uh, P Dog two hundred six Andrew. He, I think he mentioned like he's seen spreads from like twelve to fifteen points. Something like that. Mm. So, uh, yeah, floor is yours for a prediction. Okay, you're breaking up there. I think the floor is mine, you said. Yes, for a prediction. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I am going to go with a Washington victory against Shaw in his smug face. I think they're going to win 42-17. Oh, nice. A max. So, uh, Andrew, yeah, uh, Andrew said the spread is 9-15. to 
based on uh, okay. well, all I'm these going, advanced stats. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going forty to seventeen, Washington victory. Nice. I am going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with uh, thirty. I also think Washington's going to win. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to say forty-one to um, forty-one to uh, twenty-four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're looking at Stanford, I mean, they have a, a, a good quarterback. He's not as mobile as Thorne. He's a, he's a better passer. Uh, Stanford's tight end is going to give us some issues. Uh, their wide receivers, I mean, they have tall wide receivers. Um, but mm-hmm. they've they've given up a lot of turnovers this year. And obviously not having EJ Smith, I think, is going to hurt their run game. And their defense has just not been... I mean, it's just, it's not good. So, um, you know, I, I think we should be able to win this game. I, I agree. Any final words, brother, before we hang up here? Hey, go dogs. Thanks again for Nick hopping on. You know, yeah. I am going to be following the Sparties myself. Yeah. So you know, back at them, you know, look. I, I have a little affinity for the Spartans as well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on them this year. I'm not a huge fan of Mel Tucker, but uh, I am I am gonna follow Michigan State. Yeah, shout out to Nick. I hope they go 11 and one this year. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right, brother. Well, on that note, I mean it's been a really long pod, so thank you for your service, <laughs> Nick. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for your service, and. Uh, Let's hope the dogs get a win. Hope the sound quality pans out. Yeah, it'll be good, brother. Talk to you guys again next week. Go dogs. Go dogs.